Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. It is a Monday afternoon. It's getting chillier. Much, much chillier. I don't, I don't like it. My old bones don't like it. I'm not alone this time. Uh, for the past bit, I've been fairly alone with these. But we've got a special guest today. Um, Molly, we had her on the podcast. I can't even remember how long ago. Can you, Molly? I feel like it's been potentially a couple of years. Yeah, that, that sounds right. And uh, me and Molly are working on a podcast together called um, Ask the Stripper. It's going to be on the Utah Podcast Network soon. And it just goes into what she she does for work and women's issues. And there's even a politics episode, <laughs> which was fun. <laughs> I threw up a little in my mouth when you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're not here about politics. We're here to talk to somebody who had me on their podcast um, in the telling, uh, which is about storytelling, and we dove into your creativity and how it relates. Uh, Liz Christensen, how are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing, Dylan and Molly? We're doing good. Doing. So uh, let, let's dive into the podcast first. Um, how did In the Telling start? And we've had similar guests, too, so you've got good taste in guests. <laughs> so do you. <laughs> <All right>. um, <laughs> In the telling, so I have a lot of friends who have podcasts and I kind of batted around the idea really flippantly. Um, just like that might be a lot of fun. That might be a really good way to learn stuff. I really like learning things. And if I can learn them for free, it makes me really excited. Um, and I love learning from people who really know what they're talking about. So um, often you don't get that opportunity to learn from masters um, without it being either difficult on your schedule or difficult on your wallet. So um, I ended up having this surgery about a year and a half ago, um, spring of 2019, that was unexpected for me. Um, I didn't plan on it and, it and the recovery of it put me out really, like I couldn't walk very well for a while. Um, I didn't move much, you know, for a couple weeks. And so it was like, oh, I guess the podcast is something I could do now. Um, and I'd really wanted to go back for a master's degree, but I couldn't afford one. Uh, the program I want isn't really in my state and my family wasn't gonna move to support. Like that's not what our family's goals were about right then. Um, so it just seemed like this will be a great way for me to do something creative uh, with my limited mobility during my recovery time. And I'll get a chance to learn whatever I wanna learn from really cool people that I wanna meet. Um, and I won't have to like have student loans of thousands of dollars in order to do it. So it just sort of kind of all came together over the course of like a 24 hour period of sitting in a chair and thinking. That is awesome. I always wonder how podcasts um, uh, come about and, you know, where the heart of it is. Um, what is the, the, the purpose of your podcast? I think you asked me something similar to this. It's like, what, what do you feel the purpose is for it? Um. I really, I really feel like the point of it is for me to learn something and follow my own curiosities. And that sounds like really selfish, but, um, but because I only do what I want to do, I haven't gotten burnt out ever about it, which is nice. Like it's always exciting to me to do this stuff. And I feel like, you know, if, if people are going to be generous and give me access to their expertise and their ideas and their interests, like I want to share that with other people. There's got to be other people who are interested in learning what I'm learning. Um, so so it's definitely like not something that I just keep in my own audio files and listen to. I, I want to make it available to anybody else who's interested. Um, what are some of the highlight? Um, go ahead, Molly. Oh, I was just going to say, I just think it's like incredibly brilliant. I'm just like super impressed and like how 
how have I not ever thought of something like this? And that's just so cool and such a good, a wonderful way to learn and not that you're just keeping it for yourself, but that you um, are giving an opportunity for other people to learn from what you're learning. Thank you. Paul. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Well, I'm not going to ask uh, who's your, you know, who's some of your favorites, but what are some of the highlights episodes that you've had? Um, I think I always feel like I kind of have some idea of what I might learn when I interview a guest. I don't know uh, the answers, but I know kind of like the topic. And so some of my favorite interviews have been ones where um, I was even surprised by like what I was learning in terms of like the subtopics or whatever. Like I, I interviewed a musician um, named Gordon Vetus. He did my theme song because I just like his music. And then um, I found out that he doesn't even read music. Um, he does, he creates everything without even the music theory levels that I have. Like I can play the treble clef on the piano and that's it. And I, so I know how to read music more than he does, but I could never do what he does. And, and so learning then how he interacts with music as, um, a composer and as a writer and as a performer, when it is not even the same foundational language that I associate with music, that was like totally fascinating. And I didn't think that that's where we were going to go at all. Um, and that kind of happens in different places with other guests. I interviewed a slam poet, Jesse Parent, um, and I didn't think he'd make me cry, but his poetry like really touched me and was like a really a meaningful experience. Um, so I think, you know, all, all of the ones where I'm surprised, not just where I learned something, but, but like uh, somebody kind of gave me a piece of their soul and touched my humanity or just completely like, took my attention and was like, yeah, that's interesting, but here's the cool thing I have for you. And it's this, I like that. I, I love being surprised by guests too. I, you know, I learned, you know, even if I've known the person for a long time, you know, learning something new about them in our episode with Steve, our 100th episode, I learned so many things about him that I didn't know before in that episode. So um, how long have you been doing that podcast with Steve? Uh, your creativity it's uh over four and a half years wow yeah he started on episode three yeah and so, you learned stuff about him even after all that time yeah yeah like his whole experience in the hospital meeting nuns and all these different types of people and how it basically evolved him into who he is today and being so accepting of everybody it's it was really interesting go check it out episode 100 <laughs> um, I, I think one of the cool things about doing a podcast is that like when you ask people specific questions or they know the entire point of the conversation is that they're supposed to say stuff they'll say stuff that they that just doesn't normally come up or they'll tell you things that are more in depth and personal than just kind of happens over pizza you know yeah and when it's organic and long going, you can start pulling really interesting stuff at them that they like, I don't know if I want to say that type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've done a lot of that <laughs> where I'm like, well, I just, that's been recorded now. And I've said that, and I hope I don't offend this person or that person or lose my job or whatever. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're learning that editing through our, our episodes. Um, uh, so you talked about uh, Jesse Parent's creative writing. Um, you you also do writing. You're a, a playwright, and tell tell us about your writing and your style, and what do you like about it? Um, my writing has gone through a lot of different mediums. I guess I think the first stuff I ever was paid to write were plays, 
Um, but since the plays for the stage, um, I've been paid for screenplays and um, radio plays and poetry and um, a comic book. One, one comic book one time, which was really fun. Um, that's really different. And I love working with a visual artist and, and kind of like learning new mediums. Um, so I, I kind of write in all narrative fiction forms or all fiction forms, performance or narrative. And um, I'm really good at the idea stuff and the plot creation. And then the part that's kind of laborious for me is the sitting down and actually like word crafting um, sentences into paragraphs and to like, I love dialoguing because it's just the way people talk. And I feel like since I come at writing maybe more from an actress background, um, I'm really comfortable with dialogue. But uh, yeah, sometimes everybody hits writer's block, right? And when I get to that part, I'm like, oh, I have to pull my brain back from story creation and like just get through this line. <laughs> That's not where my passion is. <laughs> and, you, and you've got to find it, it's, it's rhythm. Because if the, if the dialogue doesn't have rhythm, it, it could feel, feel clunky. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're writing something that needs pacing and rhythm and that's where you're bogged down, then typically when you go back to edit, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I can tell that that was creatively constipated and now we've got to let it kind of flow a little better. <laughs> Give it a brand muffin. <laughs> <laughs> and, and have you wrote for anything that you've uh, performed in? Because you're also a performer and producer of, of like theater. Have. Um, typically when that's the case, I have other writers touch it um, quite a bit and leave their fingerprints all over it so that it's um, so that it's got checks and balances and isn't just such my precious little baby that um, I could be doing all kinds of really not good things with it, but because that's what I thought it needed to be. Um, you know, ultimately I'm failing or I'm ineffective in what I wanted because no one's editing me. But um, I've done a radio play and a stage play where at the very least the story genesis was mine and the plot structure was mine. And then um, other writers did the dialoguing and then I edited their dialoguing. Um, so especially the play had a lot of hands on it. Um, yeah. Where did you find uh, collaborators? That's, um, that's a really good question. I think that's one of the benefits of not working for yourself in the industries, like be, not being independently contracted. When you work for other theaters um, or you're a gig artist and you're kind of like working everywhere, you just meet a lot of people. And then you Did kind you say of- a geek, a geek artist? Or... Oh yeah, like gig artist, like um, this gig, gig or okay. that gig. Or, yeah. <laughs> I was like, geek artist? Okay. I'm yeah, no, that's a gig, gig probably. That, that's me. Um, <laughs> I was gonna be like, yeah, I'm more of a geek artist, but I'm not a gig artist. But yeah, I, I understand what you're saying now, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, just, just working in a lot of different places and running across a, a lot of different people. And then, you know, you try out some working relationships and you go, okay, well, we, we did the thing. That might, that was, that worked out okay, but then maybe that wasn't quite as easy as it can be for us to work or communicate together, or it wasn't quite as fun as it can be, or uh, our schedules or our goals don't align. So it wasn't as convenient as it could be. Um, I have yeah. a collaborator that I I keep around for like almost everything I do now. Uh, we've been working together in various capacities for like 10 years, maybe nine. I don't really know. It's been a long time but he's really uh, multi-talented and he 
he gets, um, I would say he has the same kind of like approach and passionate approach that I do, but we see things very differently. We kind of are aiming the same direction, but we're coming from very different places. So we make a good pair in terms of like, why are you doing that that way? And if you can persuade me that that's the way to do it, because you're articulate and you think about it, and we both ultimately want the same thing for this, then that's the way I need to go. And if I can and if, and if you're uh, trying to persuade me that, and I'm realizing that, no, I really do believe in it this way, then I'm, then I'm comfortable with pushing forward because I know I've had a strong advocate give me every other reason why I shouldn't do it that way. And my reasons withheld or withstood that. So. Okay. And you find that you can, sorry, I'm trying to think of the word compromise. Like when working with someone like that, like that, when you really believe in a certain aspect of something that you can really do you, get, do you get what I'm saying yeah yeah um the nice thing about that in terms of this collaborator is we tend to work in things where there's like really clear structures and sometimes he's kind of the final say in the head honcho of the project and sometimes I'm kind of the final say in the head honcho of the project and it just okay. depends on on what the project is or how we've structured it or who hired us and how um so ultimately I think like there's there's more than one right way to do art because it's art so yeah. um, if I'm like, this is how I would do it. And I feel really great about it, but it's like, he's, he's head honcho on this project and he feels really great about it. And, and he's he going to have that final say. Yeah. And then it's like, that's the way okay. he's going to do it. That's cool. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Really interesting to me. Um, how did you get started in performance? Like Peter, were you uh, high school plays? Um, the real start was like when I first was old enough to write and I would get all the neighborhood girls over to my house in my living room and we'd write out plays and perform them for our parents. Um, and they didn't even like have a plot structure. Like we, I, we were really young. Um, and then I think my parents just decided that that probably needed, that energy might need to go uh, somewhere just besides our home. And so they sent me off to like an, like a theater school acting class kind of thing on a weekly basis. And it just went from there so Very cool. all all along <laughs> i was curious um do you so you said this main guy you collaborate with is is a as a guy and i wondered um do you work with a lot of women a lot of or do you work with more men and like kind of the differences between the two is that okay if i ask that yeah do totally that's jump a really interesting yeah you're a guest host do, do you okay good <laughs> I, didn't, I, I haven't guest hosted my first time guest hosting and i'm like i've got a billion questions i guess i'll just jump in no jump in um his name's anthony buck by the way um the my main collaborator and i think when I work with uh, institutions, I guess, or established companies, often those um, are headed by men traditionally, just because I think that that's sort of where the world is coming from. Mm -hmm. um, but, <laughs> right? <laughs> but um, I actually work with a, a lot of women. And I think that that's partly because at least in, in uh, you know, in Utah where we live, um, a lot of art is considered to not be a breadwinnable industry. So you're either doing this on evenings and weekends, mm -hmm. um, or you have, you are married to a spouse who has the, the job that can really support a life. And so if that's the case in a traditional area, then often women are the ones who are finding ways to make that work because they're not the breadwinner income. 
but, Mm -hmm. but they get their own thing and they have their creative outlet. And, um, I do try to make sure that I'm overtly, like when I'm putting together a production team as a director, um, I like to make sure that I've got some, some diversity at the table. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the last show I did that I directed had a huge male cast and very few women. And I vied strongly for there to be a second character that was female, even though the script didn't have that character be female. Um, and so I also tried to put a lot of women on my production team for that show because I just thought this is this is a lot of men in the arts in one space. <laughs> so let's have yeah. some other voices. Do things run better when they're women run or men run? <laughs> I don't really think that that's it. I don't really think that that is a gender thing. I think yeah. um, I think that uh, one of my favorite producers is a wo- is a woman. She is organized and she is she's got all the follow through. Everything that if we we want to get all gender gender stereotypical that like maybe a good secretary or executive secretary would do. But I've seen her stand up to male board of directors and be like this is the thing that needs to happen and I'm going to kind of call you on how it's not happening in this moment and I've just been so amazed. Um, not because that was coming from a woman, but because that is a hard situation to navigate regardless of who you are. And uh, she was just effortless at it. I've also seen the same thing, you know, with men in different capacities. I've seen male stage managers handle a breakdown from an actor or an actress. That's kind of an emotional breakdown with um, everything that you might think male stage managers are not stereotypically suited to do. And I just, I really think it just comes down to you know, skill set, expertise, empathy, and communication, which is not a gender thing. Yeah, I feel that way too about um, good qualities or good qualities, and that's not really where they're coming from. You know, um, but yeah, that's really interesting. I I've worked a little bit in in film and student films and things like that, and I've really struggled to work with um, in a male dominated kind of place and and really feel I don't know comfortable and try to figure that out because because yeah a lot of industries are men because of the, traditionally the way things have been and so um it feels like how do you really even how did that woman who was a producer really even like you know what I mean like have the balls <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> to to do that and I don't know if that's yeah just a question for you or a question for her or just like you know a topic in general I think um I think a lot of the gender problem things that maybe I've come up against I haven't come up against as much in the gig work that I've done where I get to be kind of in charge like as a director or as a producer um it happens more often when I'm an actress or when I'm a choreographer and, you know, my job is artistically under somebody else's administration um, mm-hmm. that, that things can sometimes get dicey. Um, but honestly, and hopefully this changes soon, but anyone who's been in these industries, I think for any amount of time where they could be considered for these kinds of jobs, like producer or director, they've already had to navigate these situations right? Like mm-hmm. multiple times and they either successfully navigated them or they didn't. And if they're where they're at, where they're being considered for producer or board of directors or whatever, 
they probably successfully figured out how to do that. Yeah. So. I, I'd love, yeah, to know some of the feedback on on some of the the things they had to learn the hard way that maybe some of us could, you know, not have to eventually. <laughs> contracts. Have contracts. <laughs> okay. Lots and lots of contracts. I didn't mean to turn it into a whole gender battle thing. Oh, I was that was that was me. That was totally me. I, I tossed 100%. you the ball and you you ran with it a little bit. Um, yeah. Through all the aspects of what you do, uh, uh, who inspires you, and you know what what kind of keeps you going? Um, man, like ev everybody and everything. I think I have creativity ADHD because I get excited about way more things than I can even handle following through with. It kind of happens on an inspiration level too. Um, People who do things for fun and not for money and are really new at them probably inspire me the most though, because they're at the place of like fear and insecurity and they could easily be doing anything else, like including watching TV, but they, they made this thing instead. And the bravery and the rawness of that and the progression you get to see when you watch someone do that again and again and again is like, that's just so cool. I think I, I really love that. So, um, you know, I've got, I've, I don't have a lot of people that I follow on Spotify um, just because I'm loyal to, to the ones I got, but um, I have, I have more, I would say up and coming artists than established artists on like all my playlists. I just love seeing people grow and be brave. That's awesome. Cause there, there is good music out there. You know, the popular stuff's kind of crap, but like <laughs> the, the deeper stuff is really good stuff. And you know, there's, uh, where do you find deeper stuff? I kind of feel like I, I wouldn't know where to look. Um, actually music, when it comes to music, that's been the hardest for me because musicians don't tag themselves or sort themselves in a digital way based on the geography of where they live. So, so I really like to buy local art, right. And support local artists. And that's been very easy on a fine art level on a filmmaking level, even because it, you can tell where the production companies based from. Um, but with musicians, that was so hard. And eventually I just had to throw it out on Facebook and just be like, tell me who is making music in this area. And I joined like local musicians, Facebook groups and stuff because, because there was no Googleable way to figure yeah. that out. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if they're trying to stay anonymous that way, <laughs> uh, geographically until they're bigger, that way they can, you know, kind of be more receptive to people i guess i don't know i think they just most people care more about what your style is and your sound is than where you're from you know yeah. because they can yeah. get you so easily online or maybe you tour like it it doesn't really matter where you're from but i really wanted to go out of my way to find local musicians so yeah i found that if i find a local musician it's not necessarily about the type of music that they have it's just like oh my gosh, you're right. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of what you're exposed to. And then you just end up liking things you're exposed to. So I like that idea a lot. And I like that you found a way to do that and use, you know, social, social media to, yeah, to find that. As, <laughs> speak of social media, you just kind of did a, a rebrand of kind of all you know, your digital stuff. Tell us about that and some of the aspects to it. 
That was really intimidating, actually, because they always say like consistency matters the most in your social media stuff and your brand is so important. And I'm not really like trained in marketing things and I don't want to sell stuff. I mean, obviously my performance is a product. I'm an actress. I'm my product. I'm my brand, blah, blah, blah. But like, um, I, I have my hand in so many different things that it was just getting really unmanageable. So they'd be like, here's the Instagram for my podcast. And here's the Instagram for my poetry. And that's separate from the Instagram that this, like, and that was just dumb. And so finally I just decided, okay, it's going to hurt. I'll lose followers. It's going to be like a logistical nightmare, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to pull everything under one like handle or one, one brand. And it'll go out on diff like more than one social media platform, but it's where all my stuff is going to go. And hopefully people don't just hate that because they're not, you know, I only follow your podcast. I don't want to read your poetry or I only care about your web series. I don't care about your podcast or I'm just hoping that they'll stick with me. It's been really good. It's been only a week since I did that. And um, I actually gained followers from all over the place in terms of like arts and industry areas that I didn't have fans before. Um, so it's, it's, it seems to be working, but it might be too soon to say either way. I'm glad I did it because the number of passwords and things I have to keep track of has just gone way down. And that's lovely. <laughs> just make them all the same password. Yeah, I did that for a little while until I locked myself out of an Instagram account oh. that was like connected <laughs> to the wrong thing. And then I just could never go back. And it was like, well, I guess we just start that over about yeah. a year ago. So yeah, and sometimes... um, I was looking, sorry, no, go ahead. I was looking kind of through um, a link uh, Dylan had sent me and I just found everything you'd done to be like incredibly impressive. And I liked that it was all together. And I get what you're saying about the branding is that you're like, well, some people really only want to see X, Y, Z for me. And I also do ABC or whatever. And so I think that's probably a good idea to just put it all together though. And then people who want to, you know, pick and choose what they want can enjoy and choose what they want but they also have now all these other things they can choose from that they can also enjoy from you yeah i hope it works out i mean because um because i am one of the people i was talking about in terms of my husband has the health insurance for our family with his job mm -hmm. um i feel like i have the freedom to kind of not stress too much about my stats um or my you know my true how many true fans i have or what the monetization of this is or or that um, and in that, I feel like I can just kind of do what I want to do and be me. And if people are interested in what I'm doing or they want to follow me, they can. And if it turns out that they don't like that, that's fine to go find someone you like, you know, like nobody yeah. needs to stick around when they don't want to. That's, that's okay. They have a lot of options and I'm doing it to learn for myself. So I'm not going to take it personally. If you're interested in learning other things than what I'm learning. Yeah. I don't think you would lose anyone. I would just think people would be interested to see all the other things you're doing. But that's my opinion, which is funny. I love that I'm giving you this advice because I've struggled with the same thing where like I have many different things I have my hands into, but my um, online persona is very geared towards where I make most of my money. <laughs> <laughs> and so I feel very scared and almost like embarrassed to cross those brands together, you know? Yeah. No, I totally get why that's freaky because, well, I think anytime you're going to be real 
it, there's a little freaky, like it's a little scary, right? Because yeah. you know, it could be easy for you to take it personally or like uh -huh. you don't want rejection or, or whatever of any kind. Mm -hmm. um, but also like if your business is tied to it, your money's tied to it too. Any choice where you're like, this could hurt my, my brand or my label or yeah. I mean, yeah. those are, those are <laughs> grocery level decisions. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's funny. I just, I think I was giving you the advice I needed to hear and, and we just was kind of reassuring you that as, as someone who looked at it from my opinion, I was like, I think it's great. So good job. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, let me know how it goes when you do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, what situations are most creative for you? Oh, that's a really tough question. Oh, okay. Um, so I can't remember who said this, but somebody really cool and smart was talking about how you have to have kind of quiet time for creativity to happen or like downtime or boredom or whatever. Um, I agree with that, but I don't think, um, but I don't think it's the only time that I'm creative. I think that, oh, this is such a hard question, Dylan. I like it because you're really, you're really making me have to think about how I do stuff on a meta level. Um, okay, so I think creativity for me happens like when you drink, uh, drop a, a little bit of ink in water and you know how there's that really pretty like unfurling of the ink as it distributes in the water. So like, that's when inspiration strikes, right? I have this idea and it starts to expand. And if I have time in that moment to follow that expansion, it, it gets richer and richer and it's like flow, like it, it's, it's exciting and it works and it's great until it stops because I'm either interrupted or I got to the end of the idea or whatever. Um, if when that little bit of ink goes into the water and starts to unfurl, if I don't have the opportunity to do something about it right then, um, Sometimes I can get the little ink drop back, but most of the time it just like dilutes into this weird way where I'm not really sure where that idea was going or what happened when I come back to it later and it's cold. So, so I don't know that I'm more creative when I'm quiet or when there's downtime or when there's boredom or space, but I'm definitely able to ride the energy of whatever that creativity is as long as there's space and time because chasing back after it once I've had it, if I couldn't deal with it, then it always kind of loses something of its magic. Momentum. Yeah. And, Momentum's and, gone. And reading your notes later sometimes is a confusing situation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's plenty of times where I read back on like story notes and plot stuff. And I'm like, clearly I knew what I was talking about. And so I only wrote like the briefest reference, but I have no idea where I was headed with that now. Who wrote that? Who yeah. was that person? Exactly. Can I ask what your novel's about? Sure. That, you said you're writing a novel, right? Yes. Um, I have um, about 50,000, about 60,000 words um, and I'm aiming for about 90,000. So theoretically that means I'm about two thirds of the way there. But um, I don't, it's, I guess it's a romance, but I wouldn't say, I kind of want to call it a dark romance, but that also feels a little wrong because it doesn't go quite as dark as maybe people who want to read dark romance goes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It takes place in like, um, a historical period in England, but it's not really in England. If you, um, if you've been in England, you'll know the names I'm referencing, but that what happened in that place, I like created a place within that place. Like a alternate universe or? Um, like a, like a village, 
like a village oh, okay. right in a very okay. specific county. <laughs> okay. Um, and but a fictional village. Yeah. And the geography Sorry. of the place is all actually accurate to the map. There just wasn't a village there at that time. So cool. um, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it's like historical fiction because the research like isn't much, isn't as in-depth as people who like historical fiction, but it's kind of a dark period romance is maybe the best way I could sum it up in the fast. Um, I don't, I, I, I'll tell you where the idea came from for it though. I had this crazy vivid dream where um, there was this guy who like jumped out of the bushes and I was in like, I don't know, eight, early 1800s England is kind of what it felt like in my dream. And I knew who he was in my dream and I was in love with him in my dream. So I was very excited to see him. And he was like, no, 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 you can't go to the village green. And I was like, that's dumb. There's a party, I'm totally going. And then like, you know how dream time doesn't make any sense. Eventually I was at the village green somehow. And um, all of these like bad guys on horses came in and they came and they like killed the woman who was getting married that night. And they like killed a bunch of the other villagers and they started kidnapping people. And at the moment where like the commotion, the physical commotion stopped and stilled, the person I was in love with in my dream was one of those guys. And he had been trying to keep me from going there because he knew what was gonna happen that night. And I woke up and I was like, that's messed up. Like, why are we in love with people who treat women that way? This is terrible. Um, but it was interesting. And then I was like, but what kind of situation would cause a good person to be in that group? Because if my protagonist female is in love with him he gets to be a good person um and then that just sort of spiraled into a situation of how how many obstacles can i put in front of a male protagonist because we expect our male protagonists to like do things right they should fix their situation especially in period stuff if the woman is in this situation she can kind of be like oh gosh i don't really have options but the guy does and if he's our hero like what could keep my hero in a villain community um, where I don't, where he's still my hero and I'm still rooting for him, but he is just stuck. And how many obstacles can I put in his way so that he has to fight with everything he has to get out? Um, and that's sort of where the, the plot and the characters of that came from. Huh. That sounds super interesting. I'm really interested in like the psychology aspect of that. Like <laughs> cool. what, yeah. I'd love, yeah, I'm interested. I'm excited for that. Let me know. I want to hear, I want to read it when it's ready. <laughs> um, yeah, if you want to be a beta reader for me, I would love it. <laughs> I would be a beta reader. I would love to be a beta reader. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it kind of seems like it has an Outlander, um, it's a TV series, and a Turn kind of feel to it. Um, Turn was on, I think, AMC, and it like took place like Civil War time. And I think it kind of had that duality aspect to it. But yeah, it sounds super interesting. And I'm not a big reader, but, you know, I will be a big reader too. Just <laughs> Thank you, Dylan. Feedback. So <laughs> make me read a book. I need to. It's, <laughs> it's been a while. <laughs> uh, let's see. Molly, do you have any oh, questions? I hope, sorry. I was just going to say, I hope it's on Audible and then you get to do the like, you know, the voice. And I just, cause I, yeah, I know it was so cool. Um, I voiced an audiobook for the first time ever this summer and the, the ingenue hero protagonist, whatever, was this really quirky, um, fun girl who lived in Chicago and wanted to be an author. And I felt like 
she was um, just about as close to me as any character could possibly be. So the thought of voicing another character that um, is a little bit different from her at the moment, like hard on the heels of someone that was so obviously native to myself is kind of like oh gosh that's intimidating I might actually have to like act as opposed to just show up and be be natural yeah um what what was that can I listen to that um it is still under the audible approval process so audible listens to every second like a human person listens to every second of every audiobook to approve it I didn't know that yeah I love that because you just assume it would be automated right Um, And they do have like some automated checks so that the person isn't listening to things that obviously don't qualify or meet their standards. But um, if you think about the number of people who are going through Audible and stuff like that, yeah, they have quite a little turnaround time on their approval of those audiobooks. So the book itself is actually out, but the audiobook is still in its approval process. Okay, what's the book? It's called To Dream in Daylight by author Candace J. Thomas. She's a local author and she's so fun. You should um, consider looking into interviewing her because she has the coolest ideas for things. So To Dream in Daylight is um, it's kind of sleepless in Seattle, but these two people meet in their dreams and they don't believe either one of them exists. And um, dang, yeah, so, oh, so cool. it shifts between her first person perspective his first person perspective and then like the third person omniscient dreaming chapters where they actually interact and she does this horribly embarrassing thing and the video of it goes viral and he seizes it and realizes that she's like a real person and then he goes on a, a quest to find her in as less stalker away as possible in order to tell her that like he's real and she's real and they should they've been in love for years just thinking that they were figments of each other's imaginations cute oh, that is cool that, like that would be a good movie i i would it like really to see would that. <laughs> um, yeah i would watch that i would definitely watch that so w- we talked about po- uh notes a few minutes ago and before we started we got a tour of your your office there with your computer and we saw your your pocket wall yeah I don't want to make anyone motion sick by turning this around, but I might pull it off of the wall so then you can see it if you want. Yeah, go for it. Okay, cool. It came with me. That was rad. This is my pocket list. Pocket list. So you said it was like your bucket list, but like much more close term. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Um, So my pocket list is a a quick way to organize like things I really want to do, but I can't do right now. So I'm just keeping them in my back pocket. So like, this is, this is my graphic novel, which um, I have it all summarized. It's like an eight page summary, but I have to turn it into a script in order to give it to a comic book illustrator so that they can like lay out the panels. And that's like, I'm ready to do it. I just have other things that are like deadlines first. So that's sitting there reminding me, this is the next step for that. Um, I have all these ideas for music videos I wanna produce. So they all, I like write them on scraps of paper and I throw them in there. Um, Ideas for the web series that I do, which um, I make my best friend do things that are out of her comfort zone because her therapist told her she should do that. And then she wasn't going to listen to her therapist. And I'm like, no, you should do this. So these are ideas (laughs) of things that like, oh, Kelly Um, totally be uncomfortable doing that. And then real quick, what is your web series? It's called She Made Me Do It because I make my best friend do stuff. Oh my gosh. Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) 
it's fun. That's a that's a project that unfortunately gets put in the back pocket way more often than it should. I wish I moved that forward more fast, but um, but we we haven't yet. I have a short story. I have a whole bunch of picture books, a radio play, all these ideas for this convention I work for, and then I probably need a whole nother one of these because um, they're spilling out. I have one last catch-all that has like eight different ideas in it because I'm out of pockets, but yeah. So do you set time aside every day to kind of like, and then do you at random kind of pick whatever's like jumping out at you to work on, or do you know what you're working on each day or? Um, this year I know what I'm working on each day because I've had surprisingly um, a lot of consistent work or projects that were long enough that um, but they covered me for months and then by the time they were wrapping up there was another one that was a contract and it had a deadline and so um, I have like this little just like weekly schedule thing right so today I know exactly like what I've got to hit because I have a contract I want to I want to fulfill by the end of the week um, but I also like breaks for what I'm working on. So I'll have like the main project. This is the thing that's due that this, that I have to move forward. And then, you know, every couple hours, I, I'm going to go have a creative affair with this other project for a minute and work on that for just a little bit. You cheat on your projects with I other totally, projects. Yes, I'm judging it. you so Judge much right now. I thought you were a different kind of person, but... No, I'm, yeah, I am polyamorous with the things that I like to do creatively, not in my well, real life. Pretty but, hip uh, right now. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I just, I'm, I love to hear about that because I've, I've found in myself and in a lot of other people I've worked with, um, a lot of creative people tend to really struggle to organize their life and their thoughts and their projects. So it's nice to see what you're doing and to take notes. <laughs> I was raised by like a hardcore businesswoman. Um, oh, nice. And yeah, so um, a sweet, compassionate person, but somebody who back in the day when you still had to wear suits that were dresses would walk into a boardroom of men at a publicly traded company because she was the consultant they hired for efficiency stuff. So like I grew up with the seven habits of wow. highly successful teens and all kinds of stuff. And I'm glad nice. because it, so it moderated my other wild tendencies. <laughs> Yeah, so you didn't have to learn those qualities. They were in you. I mean, you did have to learn them then, but like, you know, as an adult, you had them ingrained in you. Yeah, I have some good habits definitely from my parents that make my creativity less chaotic. Nice, very cool. Well, let's let's talk about COVID. I, I was trying to figure out a way to avoid it, but you know, it affects <laughs> everybody and their creativity and um their workflow and their work um the past nine months what how has it affected you because you know you do performance so that got yanked yeah um i actually the show that i had scheduled to direct this year uh managed to open and close uh before covid quarantined everything so i feel like insanely lucky that my major main stage piece happened this year because it closed mid-February. Um, I definitely had plans to work in some films and to do some choreography stuff that definitely got shifted around. So um, fortunately, I guess by, by having creativity ADHD and kind of wanting to do a lot of things, um, I already had some things kind of going that I could just sort of focus on more. 
So this year I've done way less film, way less theater, but I've done a lot more writing, um, like, like a lot more writing because I can do that by myself and just email my collaborator. And, um, and that's just sort of uh, worked out for me that way, I guess. <laughs> that answer your question? I don't even know. <laughs> no, yeah, it did. Uh, for me and us, the podcast, it made things easier. It's like I was able to actually lock down people uh, to interview, which was which was a nice twist to it. Uh, but it's also sad to see how it's affected, you know, people where that's their their livelihood. Um, I'm I'm drawing a blank. Molly, pull 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 us out of this. Think, do you have any oh questions? Gosh. I I just have a thousand million and I've been trying to be like super polite because I'm like, <laughs> this isn't, you know, I'm, I'm a guest host. Um, no, so go for it. Uh, I mean, now I'm drawing a blank because like the whole time I've been like, just ask the one, just ask the one question. Don't ask the 50,000 you have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think what are some of the questions I was thinking of? You can edit this out, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me just trying to think. I I don't know. I think right now at this point, I think my brain's just like no more questions, but I do feel just like um, super impressed with you and like super like inspired by the stuff you're doing and just feel really happy and excited that Dylan thought to invite me. And I'm like, Thanks. So, I mean, I'm not trying to like wrap up the thing. I'm just saying like, that's all that's coming to me right now is that, you know, I, I just think what you're doing is super, super cool. And to show a woman who's kind of like got so many eggs in so many different baskets and, and you seem very well adjusted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like for me, I'm trying, I try to do different things and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm going to like, you know, um, but yeah, I think, yeah just really inspired by you so um lest lest you think that it's like this always so last week I was driving to the park to go like get some exercise and I just had this like overwhelming wave of like yeah you know what if you died today nobody would miss you <laughs> I don't oh really my feel God. like that's true so right you are but, like, in fact a human woman yeah is what you're saying yeah okay. you know you have like an imposter syndrome or like the demons in your head or like whatever your insecurity voices are um, I mean, that happens way more often than I want it to, um, but I just try to drown them out with other things or um, actually the way it went last week was just like, okay, well, maybe that's true, but that's because I do things that, you know, like they're nice, but they're not like necessary to survival. You know, my kids depend on me for food, but my fans don't. So, so yeah, it's okay that they would survive if I died. Like that's good shut up voice <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> like, um and and even if nobody likes what i'm doing today that's fine i like what i'm doing today so it doesn't matter and then i just try yeah. to like yell louder than those things i guess yeah and it's true at the end of the day like you've got to make yourself happy and fill your own cup or you don't have it to give to your family and your kids or your work or anybody else so yeah I highly recommend finding a friend who is very honest and mm -hmm. very caring and very smart and just having a mutual agreement that that you won't overuse where you can call them up and be like, I just kind of need some praise right now um, <laughs> because they won't just 
blow fake praise at you because they're too honest. Yeah. But they're observant and they love you. And so they, so they do have something that they can always say. And then if you're not calling yeah. them all the time, you still believe them when they say it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I have an overt agreement with a friend of mine right now, um, where we can just be like, I, I need praise on this thing, whatever praise you want, because I want it to be honest, but I, I just need it. <laughs> so. Yeah, I think every everybody needs that. And I definitely have, I, I call my sister up and I'm like, hey, hype me up. And usually before a situation where I'm like, I'm walking in and I know these people either don't like me, don't want to see me or whatever, or like, maybe it's just the voices in my head telling me that. Um, but yeah, I got to call up and be like, hype me up. Tell me I'm great because I need it. So I agree with you. I think that's yeah, cool. I've Dylan, met... do you have someone who does that? Oh, I, I have a few people. Um, you're good at hyping me up, Molly. Like especially at the end of our last episode that we recorded, you said many sweet I, things. I can, I can struggle to be effusive sometimes. I'm not sure what that is in me, but I do know that when I do say something, people know how much I mean it because I'm not typically that way. And so if it is coming out of my mouth, it's like it's been weighing on me a lot that how much you mean to me if I'm and how much I think of you if I am actually going to say something about it because I I'm not always that way. And I have a few people that are brutally honest, like um, this girl I work with, you know, we're very similar personalities and we can, you know, we can be brutally honest with each other and it's nice. And she knows about all the stuff I work. Gotta so, have that. Yeah. Because, you know, spouses and significant others, you know, they, they either sugarcoat it or they're too honest. <laughs> well, they have <laughs> to live too, with you. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. Like, call me on my stuff, but be gentle. <laughs> yeah, sugarcoat it. Sugarcoat just a little. I have to live with you. I don't <laughs> want to dislike you. Um, <laughs> um, I feel like it's a good point to do the bonus questions. And I'm not sure if we had these when Molly was on, so you're free to uh, answer them too, Molly. Um, the first okay. one, what does creativity mean to you? Um, I mean, I asked you this on my podcast and I still remember your answers like bouncing around in my head. So, um, I guess trying to not say what, what you said or just steal straight up plagiarize from you. If you can um, make me sound smart, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I would say it's just, it's just making anything, whether it's a thought, um, that you didn't have before, but like you created it, you know, um, telling yourself your own story or like deciding that this is the person that you're going to be. And now you're going to work towards being that person. That's an act of creation or people who decorate homes pretty. That is not me. Um, but that's, that's a creativity thing. So yeah, it's just, it's making something and that thing doesn't have to be a tangible thing. I love creative people who can make me laugh just by the wit, the things they say. Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> I agree. Molly, do you... you want me to answer that? If you want to. <laughs> okay. I was kind of just listening to her. And the first thing that comes to my mind is creativity to me is usually like problem solving. And, and sometimes that's very logical things in my life. And other times that's um, how do I process 
um, my own life or things that have happened in my life and finding creative ways to do that. And typically that can end up being a podcast or um, writing or, you know, creative things in, in that way. I don't know. That's probably all I have right now. <laughs> I, I super like her answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's awesome okay. I was like that wasn't super articulate but I was like I'm glad I'm glad you picked up what I was laying down oh I agree with you 100% I say that uh, are you picking up what I'm putting down and here it does not land in my house that statement does not land that's one of my favorite things I like saying <laughs> uh, next is who's your favorite Muppet and why oh um animal actually mm. Uh, the blonde one in the band who has the bangs, right? And you can never see her face. And she's always just like, I don't know. But I, I don't know what her name. She's like not even a major Muppet, but I love her. She's funny. she's like a, the hippie kind of yeah. one that looks stoned. Or... I yeah. I think it's Janice. Or... It is. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's good I nerding like... out on you, Dylan. Oh. <laughs> Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mannheim is the name of the band. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. That's impressive. Nerd. I'm a nerd. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a geek artist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then lastly, in the movie of your life, I, this is always weird to ask actors, um, in the movie of your life, who would you like to play you? Um, Probably Jennifer Garner. I can um, see that. Totally. Yeah. Dang, even the way you like speak and like obviously the way you look, but also the way, what's that called? Elocution? Am I saying that right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. The way you elocute. You elocute. <laughs> like her. What, what's your favorite Jennifer Garner movie? Um, that's, that's good. Oh, this is going to sound so snotty. I don't like her movies very much. I just really like her. <laughs> Um, no, I like. I get what you're not, saying. Yeah, those thirteen going on thirty is charming, okay. right? And like, but, That's my but pick. she she often makes some pretty terrible movies. <laughs> um, but no, she's she just seems like a person that you could be a neighbor with, and that like she would probably bring you cookies on the plate that you let her borrow when you talked over the fence yesterday. Like, Aww. I just think she seems like a real human being. I loved her in Alias. Can we pretend that was a movie? Yeah. It's a yes. big, Alias. big long movie. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I, also she's tough. Oh yeah. Alias was awesome. I do not like at, at her asking me what's in my wallet though. That, that's getting a little <laughs> personal. <laughs> yeah. She's... Is she the brand person for that now? Yeah. Yeah. What's in I your wallet? I did not pick up on that. Yeah. Huh. Good for her. Every once in a while, I just watch what she's doing with her hair, and I think, okay, so that's what that would look like if I did that with my hair. And then she gives me good ideas. Nice. Awesome. You're like, what are we, what are we doing now? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't have a lot of options. <laughs> you just look up. You're like, what's Bruce Willis doing now? I'll just do whatever he's doing, right? <laughs> oh, speaking of Bruce Willis, um, this is a tangent. Um, there's a new uh, car tire. Not not car tire, car battery commercial from Die Hard Batteries, and it's uh, basically a mini, uh, Die Hard movie, but it's a Die Hard battery commercial. I just saw this morning. with him. With him, yeah. This sounds oh my great. Gosh. Yeah, it, it was fun to watch this morning. Kind of made my morning. 
<laughs> That's what okay, I'll be Googling gonna... later. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, as soon as this is over, I'm going to Google Die Hard Battery commercial, Bruce Willis. Yeah, it was fun. So, um, out of Hollywood, back to you. Uh, where can everybody uh, catch your stuff? And uh, what's the new moniker of your rebrand? And where can everybody find everything? Um, the easiest place to find everything is lizzylizzyliz.com. So L-I-Z-Z-Y-L-I-Z-Z-Y-L-I-Z.com. And then um, social media, I'm the Creative Curiosity Community. So whether that's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, um, that's where those things are. But you can find links to all of those from my website. So if you just want to go to lizzylizzyliz.com, that one's, it'll shoot you everywhere else you want to be, I guess. Very nice. And that, that's a very fun name. I like it. Lizzie, Lizzie, Liz. Lizzie, yeah. yeah, I like it a lot. Lizzie, Lizzie, Liz. It has a rhythm to it. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it's memorable. It gets in their heads. It's <laughs> funny when you have to like say it to people at the store and they're going to write it down or something because they always have this look like, did I hear you right? That was kind of... Lizzie. Uh, Lizzie. Yep, again. Liz. <laughs> One more, but let. <laughs> so, yeah. Can you say that faster? Lizzie, Lizzie. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. Uh, once again, thanks for having me on your podcast. I really enjoyed that. And you made me sound really smart. And I really appreciate that. Um, <laughs> that was not a can hard she, thing to do, Dylan. <laughs> can she be on my podcast too? If she wants to. Yeah. If you let me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'd love it. I think it'd be really fun. Well, Yay. Thank you. Yeah, we'll get it figured out. And, and um, thanks, Molly. It's always great. Yeah, thank you. you. Thanks for having me. You. And Anytime. Everybody, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> Podcast is done, man. <laughs>